Are there any good-looking podcast listeners out there tonight? Hello and welcome to episode 143 of Soccer Noob Rock in America featuring my 11-year-old daughter, Person Noob. Hello! In pre-recorded form, given that she's 11, it means she gets to do cool stuff like go to summer camp. That's where she is right now. Alrighty, our show's mission, in case you're new, it is to visit the great tournaments and league races the world over. We're going to be talking about... Uh, top two matchups and other key league matchups, tournament deciders, all of that abounds here. And we will go to any country, big or small, on the globe to find that high drama. And that, I think, is what makes our show truly unique. This week, we're going to be covering matches uh, Thursday through Friday, as always, or Friday through Thursday, I should say, uh, July 7 through 13, plus St. Louis Public Radio's Jonathan All, a real live professional broadcaster. He's actually going to be joining us once again to help with some really in-depth previewing in our usual, uh, what is usually a mini preview of our featured MLS match, which features his beloved St. Louis City expansion team. All right. So with no more gilding of the lily, let's get into the matches and start off with match number one. We start this week's quest on Friday, and happy 25th birthday to the WPSL. This is going to be one of the two, quote-unquote, lower leagues that we're going to within the United States since the summertime, and Europe and some other places are on hiatus, and we're happy to do it. This is the oldest continuously running league in the United States. At the very least, I know that that's true from the women's side. I think it's true overall. This is unofficially considered a fourth-tier league. They have 21 divisions Only the winners of each of those divisions will move on to the national championships. And the matchup we're going to look at is from out in the Western Conference, Desert Division, number three, Arizona Arsenal versus number one, SC Del Sol. They have just five clubs in this particular division, but it's really not much of any smaller than most of the divisions. And the reason we've selected this one is because it is late in the season, which is true for all the divisions, but there is a three-way tie on points for first place. High drama anywhere we can get it. Tier one, tier four, anywhere in between. This is actually the last match for Arizona Arsenal and the second the last match for SC Del Sol. So uh, Arizona really need to get all three points on this to probably have much of a shot. Number two, FC Tucson are also on their last match. So it is advantage number one, SC Del Sol. We'll talk about the hosts first, as is always our tradition. The Arsenal, they play out of Mesa, Arizona. Last year, they finished in second place in this division. This year, the offense... I mean, they're getting close to one and three quarters goals per match, but that puts them actually near the bottom of the division. But they are tied for number one on defense. Interestingly, that tie is with the number four club in the table at uh, just a little bit over one goal per match. Uh, This is a team with only the fourth best goal differential and therefore is uh, not in any way, shape, or form my pick to go on and win this division. I don't like them to get more than a draw here, even in home. I'm certain begging to disagree with me were she to hear this is team leading scorer with four on the season, Anahi Cardinal, 20 years old. Team's current form, they've won two straight and did just get a very key win at home over Tucson 2-0. And now the team I'm picking to win it all, uh, Del Sol, they play out of Phoenix and last year they won this division. So I'm not going way out on a limb here, am I? 
Uh, they went on to the national playoffs, but lost in their very first round or the regional semifinal, if you will. Uh, their defense is not particularly good. They give up almost two goals per match as well, but they've got the number one offense going, getting three and a third goals per match. Wow. They are the ones with the number one goal differential and are led in scoring with five on the year by Sophia Smith, another 20-year-old. You get a lot of college-age kids at this particular level. She uh, plays or just finished playing for Notre Dame. Team's current form, they had this division all but ramped up, and then they went and lost nil three to the fourth-place side, Royals, Arizona. So that's one they're going to wish they could have back, potentially, since they have a road match this particular day. Match number B. That's right. Even though Person Noob is away at camp having a great time, she is still here in pre-recorded form to remind you and I that number ugh, two, bathroom talk. Uncouth, no need for it. Join us in our evolution to replace that phrase with number B and listen to it in action right now. The first of our many Saturday matches, match number B, we uh, switch to the men's side of the ball and up a couple divisions to the second division, the USL Championship, where there are two conferences, East and West, and the top eight from each will go to the playoffs. They're uh, just a little under halfway through the season. Your key matchup is an interconference one this week. Number B in the East, Pittsburgh Riverhounds versus number one in the West. No reason to change number one to anything else. Sacramento Republic. Now, Pittsburgh, wow, they are a part of a three-way tie. We've got a bit of a theme going there for number one with Charleston Battery and Tampa Bay Rowdies. They've got uh, the tiebreaker either on total wins and or on goal differential. Meanwhile, Sacramento, they have... Uh, one more point than Pittsburgh. So right now they are in line for their supporters shield for the league. They lead number B in the West El Paso locomotive by three points series between these two is uh, pretty new. Uh, the uh, Republic have gotten a win and a draw the two times that they've ever played. You can catch this edition on ESPN plus at seven o'clock Eastern time Saturday, Pittsburgh, I don't know how to feel about this. The, you know, talk about uh, earmuffs, uh, person who sort of. Um, their owner's name is Tuffy Schallenberger. I can't think of a much worse bedroom name than that one. All right, maybe neither here nor there, but I'm not sure it bodes well for a soccer team. Gosh darn it. Ten years ago, I just recently learned that this team announced that by this year, they were planning to have joined Major League Soccer. But in fact, they've never formally applied for some reason. Interesting. Uh, they won the Eastern Conference in 2019, best they've done. Last year, they were number five in the East and uh, fell out of the playoffs after the conference semifinal. This year, the offense is good, but the defense is excellent. Number one and by a lot in their conference. They're giving up only three quarters of a goal on average. Uh, they're tied for number one in goal differential. Uh, easy to say, these are one of your favorites. Tied for second best in league, scoring with nine on the year is Albert Dequa. He is from Cameroon, striker, but he's actually spent his whole career here in the U.S. He came over from St. Louis. Tied for number one in assists in the league, another key player with five is Canardo Forbes, Jamaican veteran, 35-year-old central midfielder. And then on the defensive side, since they do... Uh, uh, do so well on that end. I wanted to find somebody to point out with better than two and a half tackles per 90 minutes. Um, second best in the league is Langston Blackstock, American left fielder. He's a, uh, really come a long way given that he played his college ball at a division two school in suburban Southern Atlanta called Clayton state. 
team's current form, 2-2-0 two, two, in their last four. Basically, they've been winning every other match, so they are due for a win. And they've only conceded one goal over that run. I think that's even more telling than uh, merely the short-term win-loss pattern. And now Sacramento Republic, they have also been looking to join Major League Soccer, actually had a bid accepted a couple, three years back, but that's been put on hold because of stadium building issues. Hopefully they'll be able to move up eventually. Would like to see MLS just get huge. They, uh, their big claim to fame is they finished runners up in last year's U.S. Open Cup. That's our FA Cup. They lost to Orlando of Major League Soccer, so quite a run for them. They won the second division when it was called USL Pro, and it's very last year under that name in 2014. They also won the Western Conference in 2016. Last year, they finished in fourth, and like their opponents today, they fell out of the playoffs in the conference semifinals. They are so well-balanced. Uh, they have the number B offense in the in the stronger West, quite frankly, uh, one and three quarters per goal on average. Number one defense by a lot. They only give up two-thirds of a goal on average. Number one goal differential by well over 50%. It is a long way for them to travel. I still like them to get a result of some kind, at least a draw here on the road. Key players to look for. Tied for second best in league scoring in the league with nine is Russell Cicerone, American left winger, who actually last played for Pittsburgh. And he's also second best in the league in goals plus assists with 12. Defensively, their goalkeeper is the only one in the league with a save percentage above 75%. That is Danny Vitello. He also was with Pittsburgh last year. So interesting little mini pattern there. Team's current form, they are 1-1-1 one, one one in their last three. Match number three. Match number three is pretty close to as far away from the United States as you can get. We're headed out to Oceania, the South Pacific, specifically the S League of the Solomon Islands, the third-ranked league of the, I believe, uh, either nine or 11 still left in the OFC. The top two teams will be going to the Champions League, and we're going to look at a top two matchup briefly right here. Number B, Honiara City versus number one, Solomon Warriors. Uh, let's check out the table. Uh, Warriors, they lead by 13 on goal differential. Yeah, they're tied on points, and we never ignore matches like that. This is the last match for both of these two teams, although there are four other teams still alive for the title. Two of them have a match in hand on these two, including uh, number three, Central Coast Mariners. They are just one point back. So if these two get a draw, I'm not sure that either of them is going to end up winning the division. A lot of drama going on down there. But we've been to the Solomon Islands pretty recently. In fact, I think maybe even episode 142 last week. So this is the perfect time for us to take a pause and try to win a little quid. And when we're going to gamble, we're going to cheat because that means touching base with our in-house prognosticator, 3,500-year-old Noobstradamus, from whom we hope to get a drug-aided or probably drug-addled vision and see what the universal infinite or whatever he talks about all the time has to say about how this match is going to go. Take it away, almighty soothsayer. Greetings from the Thracian plains of Greece, and tis I. We are seekers, you and I, and a soccer score for you, otherworldly experiences for me. To that end, I light the lotus leaf, and once again travel through space and time. Whee! 
my sight fades to black. Before it returns, I smell the tang of salty air and the sway of a ship beneath my feet. My favorite form of travel. <laughs> I open my eyes to see my old friend, Captain Alvaro de Mendaña, before me. In the waking world, we were on this very ship together, the San Geronimo, in the late 16th century. And land is in sight. Mendaña did not name them so, but we've arrived at one of the Solomon Islands, Nendo. Hundreds have been brought from the old world to plant a settlement and direct Mendania's desire to convert the locals to Christianity. I'd settle for the natives just not eating one another. Ghastly. Mendania was given the captaincy because of nepotism. Not experience, his Spanish governor uncle actually convinced me to come along and keep the peace between him and the jealous See experienced cosmographer, who probably should have been named Expedition Head. But I'd had my own reason for coming, the previous voyage. They'd thought they'd discovered the biblical site of Orphir. This, strangely, despite having found very little to know gold, silver, sandalwood, pearls, ivory, apes, or peacocks. What they did find brought me. <laughs> Be tell knots. <laughs> gimme, gimme, gimme. <laughs> Perfect with slaked lime for a nutty, citrusy taste that also gets one high. In fact, is this possible? I once again travel through space and time. <laughs> visions within visions, never ending. Here I come. Match number four. Hey, did anybody notice that we didn't get a soccer score out of him in this vision? <sighs> I swear, I think that's been happening about a third of the time lately. All right, all right, all right, fine. I just got to let it go. <sighs> match number four, another Saturday match. Back to the United States we go after that silliness, although a little bit of educational silliness. There seems to be some truth to a lot of that stuff. Historically, the NPSL is where we are headed on the men's side. That is the unofficial fourth tier, basically on par with League Two that we've spent some time on as well. Nationally, there are 15 divisions. They're heading towards the end of their season as well. Matchup we're going to look at is number one, Southern States versus number B, Jacksonville Armada 2. Southern States currently lead uh, the Armada by three on goal differential. Yes, another case where they're tied on points. And this is the last match of the regular season. So winner take all here in terms of the division crown. They're in the Southern Conference and the Gulf Coast Division crown is what is at stake specifically. The top four teams of the six will actually make the playoffs. And then the winner of those playoffs will go on to uh, the national playoffs. When it comes to the national playoffs, by the way, the winner will get to qualify for the next U.S. Open Cup. Yeah, the big boys tournament. When they played earlier this season, it was the Armada only managing a 1-1 draw at home. This time, it's Southern States hosting. They play out of Hattiesburg, Mississippi. They've been in the league for just two years. Last year, they finished in second place in the division, seven points behind Armada. So they have closed the gap to say the least. 
They also then faced off once again in the division playoffs, and it was Southern States that came out on top 3-2 in the conference finals. So a lot of bad blood here, maybe. Southern State's definitely your favorite. They have the number one offense going, two and three quarters goals per match. Number one defense as well, the only team conceding less than one goal per match per 90. Uh, top 10 scorer in the league, there's to boast of, with six netted on the season, is Santiago Hoyos. Team's current form, 5-1-0 in their last six, and they have won two straight. And now Jacksonville Armada, you'll find their name on your Google machine uh, with a uh, different name. Sometimes they're referred to as Jackson Armada 2, sometimes as Jackson Armada Under 23 Club. What's extra interesting is that the parent club, Jacksonville Armada, has been on hiatus since 2019 because the Division II league they were in, the North American Soccer League, ceased operations. So there is no one club currently playing, just the two for the last little while. Last year, they made it all the way to the regional finals or quarterfinals, if you will, nationally. Uh, they've also got a lot of success in their past. They won this division in 2011 and 2013. They are second best both offensively and defensively in the division. Top 10 scorer for them with six goals of his own is he of four names, and <laughs> a couple of them are going to be hard for me to pronounce. Eduardo Vinicius Kejic Coimbra. Yeah, that might be close. Team's current form, they have won four straight. And very impressively, they haven't conceded any goals in their last two matches. Match number five. Still more Saturday footy action. We're headed off to another island nation. Not the South Pacific this time, but rather into the Atlantic off the west coast of Africa. Say hello to the Campeonato Nacional of Cape Verde. My understanding is, and I phrase it that way because the information I have might be a touch outdated, but that at least at some point recently, there were 11 league divisions on the nine islands that make up the country. This, this national tournament has 12 teams in it, so presumably all of those division champions plus one other, of course. They have been divided into three groups of four, played a double round robin, the top two from each advanced to a knockout stage. Your finalists, Academica do Mindelo versus Palmyra. And this is a repeat of last year's final uh, that do Mindelo won one to nil. We'll talk about them first. Mindelo is, on, is a city on the second northwesternmost island, and it is called Sal Vicente. And virtually all of the population is on the is in this city as far as on this island. I read 93%. Tons of Brazilian influence here, and it's considered in that way to be the cultural capital of the entire nation. Uh, to that end, not that it's Brazil, but uh, the country that colonized them from the West, Portugal, they are affiliated with a third-tier Portuguese side called Academica do Coimbra. Oh, interesting. That's the same last name as the guy that we had in the last match. All right, neither he nor there. Now, it's Cape Verde, so not all the information is real complete that I'm finding in my usual sources. I can tell you that they've won four national titles, but I don't know when the most recent was, and that they've also won 14 division titles. In leg one of the semifinal, they only managed to draw at home 2-2 uh, with Volcanico. I love that name. But then they went ahead and absolutely laid the wood and beat them 3-6 to six in their own house. Ouch. 
In the group stage, they went 4-1-1 one and, one and won their group by three. And that was despite a team named Mora Beitza going undefeated, but they had four draws. In the group stage, they had the number one offense by a lot, getting over two goals per match. A very good defense to go with that and a goal differential three times better than the next best club. And now Palmyra, without an S like the Brazilian club would have it, that is a town on the island of Sal, which is the northeastmost island in the country, very much smaller, maybe a population of about 1,500. They advanced over Domindelo's rival, Mindalense, 4-3 on aggregate. So they're not scared of any team from this island, it would seem. In the group stage, they went 4-0-2. They beat Volcanico by just one point. They're another team with a very good offense and a good enough defense to match. So I expect a bit of a shootout in this one. I also expect Domindelo to repeat. One of the two kitties in this household just had surgery and is sitting quietly next to me. He's not doing any meowing, so it's the other one that must be demanding a recap of last week's matches. And I shall acquiesce. Match number one last week was a Friday match from the third division here in the United States. The USL League One, number one, North Carolina, took on number B, Charlotte Independence. The home team got the 2-0 win. Oleg Sanderson had a brace for them. And that dropped the Independence all the way down to fourth place. Match number B from the Women's Premier Soccer League here in the United States was in their division number one, FC Premier Women versus number B, SoCal Reds. And it was SoCal Reds getting a 0-3 win, and that won them the division. Congratulations and good luck in the national playoffs, perchance we might meet again. Match number three from Latvia's higher league. Number one, Rika FC took on number B, RFS. They played to a 2-2 draw. No change in the table there. No other team is anywhere close to them. Match number four from the UEFA Champions League preliminary final between uh, Budnikos Podgorica versus Breda Blek from Montenegro and Iceland, respectively. And it was the Icelanders getting a nil-five win. I predicted them to win, but wow, that could have been our route of the week. Yikes. Uh, guys, we said to look for it. Stefan Inge Sigurdsson had a goal and an assist. Uh, Breda Blek will play Shamrock Rovers in the first qualifying round. Match number five, the SAFF Championship. We did not cover the semifinal because we didn't know who was going to be in it. I will tell you that they've already made it through the final now in Southern Asia, and it was India getting the win in penalties after a 1-1 draw in regular plus added time, 4-5 over Kuwait. Match number six was our featured MLS match of the week, number one in the East Cincinnati, taking on second best New England. They played to a 2-2 draw for Cincinnati. Uh, it was Luciano Acosta who we said to look for, and he had the, he had the equalizer that made it 2-2. Uh, the Revs actually dropped down to number three now. Match number seven uh, from USL League 2 that's the fourth division here in the United States, or one of the fourth division leagues unofficially, semi-pro. Number B in their division have a special place in our hearts here for Team New because we used to live in the area. Des Moines Menace. They play host to number one, Chicago City. Chicago City got the sweep, completed, I believe, the regular season undefeated. And so congratulations to them. Both teams will actually be going on to the playoffs because this is a very strong and somewhat deeper division than some of the others. Match number eight from the Kenya FA Cup, Tusker versus 
Kakamega Homeboys, and it was the Homeboys with a Z. What is this, 1990? They got the no-one win. Good luck to them in the Copa, not Copa Sudamericana, that's South America, the Confederation Cup, secondary tournament in Africa. They earned that berth. Wednesday, match number nine from the CONCACAF Gold Cup. Group stage USA played Trinidad and Tobago and got a big old 6-0 win to win the group and advance to the knockout stage. That put Trinidad and Tobago down in third. Their international season is done. Match number 10 also from the CONCACAF Gold Cup. We took a look at number B in their group, Haiti, versus number four, Honduras. Honduras got the 2-1 win, which means they finish in third and fourth respectively, and therefore both go home. Guy we said to look for, Jerry Bingston had the goal. And now your bonus matches with explanations to come later. Saturday was another MLS match for your out of the week. St. Louis versus Colorado Rapids. First versus worst in the West. And it was St. Louis getting a very comfortable 2-0 win. The most meaningless match in the world was from the Premier League in Mongolia on Sunday. A holy day for an unholy match between number four, Oud, and number five, Tuv Buganud. Love that name. And it was Tuv Buganud winning 2-4. No change in the table there, though. And then finally, your match of disappointment was a Friday match from Argentina's Liga Profesional, number six, or rather 26, Velez Sarsfield, taking on number 28, Arsenal Sarandi. And it was Sarsfield getting the 1-0 win. No really big surprise there, except that it maybe just wasn't a pitiful nil-nil draw. Uh, that moved Vela Sarsfield up to number 24. Ooh, rarefied airs. Uh, Sarsfield there. Uh, the guy that we pointed out that was their uh, most disappointing player last week, match disappointed, was Leonardo Burian, their goalkeeper. He kept a clean sheet, admittedly gets a bad team, but credit where it's due. Meanwhile, on the other side of things, Arsenal Sarandi, their MDP, Flavion Lodano, uh, he tied for the worst game of the day, stat-wise, at least according to the foot mob that I use. That concludes your recap of last week's matches. Let's dive back into the upcoming week's match previews with Match number six. All right, time for our first great big world league. We're headed to the Liga Profesional in Argentina, which is the second-ranked league in CONMEBOL, and pretty recently was actually ranked number one over Brazil. Their top two finishers will go to the Copa Libertadores. That's their Champions League group stage. And then the third-place team will go to the second qualifying or last qualifying round of the same tournament. Six more teams will get to go to the secondary tournament, the Copa Sudamericana. 28 teams are in this league. It's just outrageous. Uh, they play a single round robin, as you would imagine, and their season's about three quarters of the way through. Your matchup, number B, San Lorenzo, taking on number one, River Plate. I always want to say River Plate. I mean, it ought to be Spanish, but I always hear River Plate, so there you go. All right, River Plate currently leads San Lorenzo by nine. So this is not a big important match really in terms of River Plate's fate. They've all but got the league kind of wrapped up, but it's a very big deal for San Lorenzo in a tough matchup. Let's look at the table. After River Plate, you've got San Lorenzo at 42 points, Tulare's at 41, Lannis at 40. And I know that there are a bunch of other stair-step teams just one point behind each. So there's a lot of room uh, for shakeup in who, terms of who's going to get to go to the big money Copa Libertadores. The series between these two has been all river plate for the most part. 12-5-6 uh, is their record in recent years. San Lorenzo 
a team that isn't quite as world famous, perhaps, even though they are one of the big five in this country. Uh, they've got a bunch of nicknames. Uh, what's interesting is that Saints and Killers are two of them. Seems like they ought to have to pick one or the other. Uh, the Gauchos of Boedo, which is their district in Buenos Aires. The Crows and the Cyclone, two other things that really wouldn't go all that well together. Other than that, they're both in the air a fair bit. As far as that district that I mentioned in Buenos Aires, this is a really interesting area historically. It's a working class large district of Barrio, but it also has a really big uh, literacy history. There are a lot of famous writers from this area. Footy-wise, they've won 15 league titles, but none in the last decade. They also won the Copa Libertadores in 2014, right after they last won the league title. Last year, they finished in sixth place. This year, the offense, uh, it's actually a little bit above average for this league, and yet they don't even get quite a goal per match. It's a low-scoring affair, typically in Argentina, and they've got the number one defense, and by miles, just giving up a little bit over one-third of a goal per match on average. Perhaps the best defensive stat I've ever seen in any major world league. They've got the third-best goal differential, so I actually do like this team to get to the Copa Libertadores. Key players to look for. Uh, if you like the FOTMA app like I do, it would be uh, easy to look up that their league MVP is Malcolm Breda on this team. He plays left field midfield for them which is interesting because he's not really much of a scorer or a passer, one goal, two assists, but he's a good dribbler and a great tackler, both in terms of volume and success rate. So this is a guy uh, somewhat with defense on his mind and just being the engine for getting the offense started. On the other side of the ball, tied for number one in clean sheets with 13 is Augusto. Batalia, he has the number one save percentage in the league as well at 85%, although admittedly the defenders in front of him are so good that he's barely within the top 25 in the league in saves that he's had to make per 90. Team's current form, they are 2-5-0 and oh in their last seven, hence the reason that they have fallen a little bit behind River Plate. And we'll talk about them next. They are the number one ranked club in all of South America. They are also from Buenos Aires, but from the Belgrano area, which uh, unlike uh, their working class counterparts today, is a very upper middle class part in the north. And in fact, the club is named uh, the Millionaires or uh, Millionaires. I forgot that it only has the one L here, no I after it. They have won a record 37 league titles. And the last one was two years ago. Four times they've even won the Copa Libertadores, and the last one was 2018. They're making a move on another one. They're about to play in the round of 16 in the current edition of that tournament. Uh, they got there by finishing in third place last year. Number one offense in this league. They're kind of flirting with two goals per match. Defense is good enough that they've got the number one overall goal differential by a factor of two. Even on the road, this will be a tough matchup for San Lorenzo. Second best player in the league, according to Votmob, is Ignacio Fernandez, attacking midfielder, 33 years old, and he does get some offense in. Five goals, three assists, good tackler as well, and a very accurate shooter. He has not had to uh, shoot a whole lot to get to those five goals. Another guy I want to point out, the number three most accurate passer per 90 minutes in the league. He gets almost 65 
per match. That is their defensive midfielder, Enzo Perez, 37-year-old veteran. I really wanted to point him out, A, because European footy fans might recognize him for having played with Valencia and then uh, Portuguese ones with Benfica but also because almost always you see the players that are the most accurate passers being center backs, not guys who are a little bit further up the field. Makes that really impressive. Number three in possessions, one in the offensive third per 90 minutes, so keeping scoring chances alive. That's Lucas Beltran, center four, and he uh, takes advantage of a lot of those himself. He's got 10 goals on the year. And then finally, I want to mention their goalkeeper. He's not in the top 25 in saves made per 90, but he is tied for number one in clean sheets, and that is 36-year-old veteran Franco Armani. Team's current form, 6-1-0 and in their last seven. Match number seven. And now we march forward into Sunday, and we're back in the States for CONCACAF Gold Cup action. They're done with the group stage. It is time for the quarterfinals. The U.S. are still alive, as is Canada, and uh, they are going to play their quarterfinal in Cincinnati. The winner will get Panama or Qatar. You can hear about the U.S. men's national team any old place. So as I uh, fairly often do, I'm going to allow myself to start feeling my rumbly-tumbly. I get a little bit hungry late in the show and say this is the time we're going to take our culture break, and that means food. And that got me thinking about Canadian food because that always, to me, means poteen. Oh, those cheese curds, the gravy, the fries, I love it all. But since they're having it in Cincinnati, so I did some looking around for a Cincinnati chili version of poutine. I really couldn't find anything. The closest I was able to find was something called campfire chili poutine. And I'll tell you how to make it. It's You could guess at a lot of this, but it still sounds fun. You're out camping. First of all, don't skimp on the tinfoil. You want two double layers for extra support when you're making this. You're going to cut open your bag of fries. Don't use skinny fries in the name of all that is holy. It's poteen for crying out loud. Pour those out onto the tin file. Open your canned chili. Yeah, you've got to bring canned chili. Don't make it at home and take it with you. It's campfire. And your can of gravy. That's right. Then pour the chili over the uncooked fries. Cover that with shredded cheese. Add some salt, some pepper to taste. Close up that package. Allow it to cook on the grill. Should take, uh, depending on how you get it, how hot you get it, uh, 35 minutes give or take. Once your fries are about halfway cooked, then you put your canned gravy on the grill and allow it to heat up. Make sure you open it prior to placing it on the grill because that can is going to be hot. I know that should go without saying, but they put it in the recipe I found, so I am passing it on to you. Someone learned the hard way. Reason for every warning message in the world. And then once you've heated that all up, uh, you serve it in the middle of the table with forks for all and pour that hot gravy over the top. And I got to tell you, the person that wrote this recipe, I forget what website it was on now, I wish I could credit it properly, says right up front, yeah, campfire version of this, the chili poutine, it looks awful. And I'll go a step further and say, yeah, it looks like somebody vomited. But put that aside. Close your eyes, and I'll bet that it's going to be pretty darn good. Probably one of the better things you can make at a campfire. I would even uh, put this in a really large hot dog bun with a wiener in there and have that, have it that way as well. Match number eight. 
And believe it or not, that was our only Sunday match. Last week, we had all of them, including our three bonus matches, which we'll once again do later in the show, done by Sunday. But things are a little bit more spaced out this time. Monday, you get the second leg of a home and away two-legged tie for a trophy. Yeah, we're headed to Mexico, Liga MX Femenil. This is their Campeón de Campeones, or Champion of Champions. You can catch this match 10 o'clock in the evening Eastern Time in the U.S. on VIX, the Spanish-language streaming service. This match involves the champions of the two stages that make up the Mexican season, the Apertura and Clausura stage. If you're unfamiliar with those, basically they are single round-robin separate seasons. This match is determined who is the best of them all, UANL, the Tigres, or Club de America. We'll talk about Tigres first. Uh, they've won five titles in their history since 2016. In fact, I believe only four clubs in this league have ever managed to win the title. And they also won this particular match, uh, the uh, De Campeones, in 2021. They qualified by winning the opening, or Apertura, playoffs after having finished third in the regular season. In the Clausura stage, they actually did even better in the regular season, finishing second, but then they lost in the playoffs to Club de America in the semifinals. The aggregate table on the year overall, they had the third most points. Weren't in the top two. I found that interesting. Uh, on the year, they had both the number one offense and defense in the league and the number one overall goal differential, as you would imagine. Key player to look for, we have a USA connection in scorer, a number three scorer in the league with 30 between the two stages, Mia Fischel. Team's current form, they've actually lost two straight matches, and both of those were to Club de America. One final note, I said this is the second leg. At the time of recording, I do not know what the score of the first one was going to be. But just suffice it to say, it's the second leg, and it's still going to be a really important match. And now Club de America, the Eagles. They finished third in the Clausura before they went on to win the playoffs. That was their second ever title. They managed to finish only number four on the aggregate table. I think no matter how the first leg reasonably goes, that they are the underdogs, both for being here on the road, and even though they get over two and a half goals per game, I don't think they can keep up offensively with their opponents today. They were only number four in the league in that regard. Third best goal differential. If they are going to do it, she's going to need some help, but she'll probably score at least first, and that is number four league scorer with 26 on the year, Kiana Palacios, and she's somebody that European fans will recognize. She's been over in Spain with Real Betis and Valencia. We do have a couple of USA connections here. I don't know a ton about either of them, but they have a defender who is eligible for the American national team, Sabrina and CISO, and then a gal who I know a touch more about, midfielder Sarah Lubert. Talked about her in the past. She played for a time for Chicago Red Stars of the NWSL. Team's current form, they have won eight straight matches. Match number nine. Flip your calendar page forward to Tuesday, and we're off to Europe for Champions League action. I know the final was less than probably two months ago, but guess what? The 2023-24 version has already begun in, in terms, at least, of the qualifying rounds. This match we're looking at is labeled as a first qualifying round match, second leg of the home and away 
two-legged tie. Now, I phrase it that way because it's not really the beginning of the tournament. The four lowest-rated clubs all had to go to a little mini tournament in Iceland and play for one spot in the first qualifying round. And that's going to be relevant. I'll tell you why in a moment. There are 30 teams playing in this round. The winners will advance, of course. The losers will drop down two full tournaments to the Europa Conference League. Your matchup, Shamrock Rovers out of the Republic of Ireland versus Bredablik from Iceland, who were the winners of that preliminary little mini tournament last week. We follow them for their championship match, and I've decided we're going to keep following them for a little bit. If for no other reason than I have to do a little bit less research. It's a lot of hours putting all this together. <laughs> anyway, we'll talk about Shamrock Rovers first. They play out of uh, Tala, which is a district or county, or rather it's a district in the county of South Dublin, about 80,000 people. Historically, it was thought at some point that I think a bunch of soldiers all died from the plague there. So that name actually means plague pit, although historians will tell you now that there's, uh, there's not any archaeological evidence that that really happened. Footy-wise, this team has won three straight LOI Premier Division titles, and they have won a record 20 overall. 2011, they made the Europa League group stage, the first Irish club to ever get that far. Last year, they also made a group stage of that tertiary tournament I mentioned, the Europa Conference League. In terms of the Champions League, they've never been further than the second qualifying round. Now, I mentioned they play in the LOI Premier Division. That is the number 32-ranked league in all of Europe. I think it is a semi-professional league. It's certainly a summer league, and it's probably the best ranked of all the summer leagues in Europe. 2023 season is about two-thirds of the way through for their league, and they lead second-best St. Patrick's currently by four points. So they're having another very strong season. Number one offense is a big reason why. They're getting almost two goals per match. Pretty good defense to go along with that as well. Uh, League MVP, in my opinion, and number one in assists with seven is Jack Byrne, attacking midfielder. He's also got four goals. He actually started his career with Man City, and by started, I mean he was signed with them, but he never actually made any appearances. Another key player to look for, number three of the league in goals, plus assists is Rory Gaffney, veteran 33 years old, uh, center forward for them. Biggest club he probably played for was Bristol Rovers, which is, I believe, a League One or League Two, third or fourth tier team in England. One other interesting stat about this team, I won't go into all the names, but the top three most accurate passers in the league per 90 minutes are all on this squad. So they keep a ton of the position. That's what you can, possession, which is what you can look for if you find a a streaming match for this. I haven't yet, but I'm still working on it. One more key player to look for, number three in interceptions per 90 uh, with uh, well over two is Roberto Lopez. He is from, and this is the reason I wanted to mention him, he is from Cape Verde. Yeah, a second reference for that country this show. Play center back for them. Team's current form, one, one, and one in their last three. And even though we talked about them last week, let's review Bredeblech for our newcomers. They play out of the second largest city in the country, which is all but really a suburb of Reykjavik, and that is Kopavogur. In the uh, Nordic myths, it is the home of a god named Baldur, who is a brother of Thor. Interesting. Give you a little bit of perspective. The club is ranked just outside the top 350 in all of UEFA. Yeah, group stage, probably not going to happen for this team or Shamrock Rovers. 
but the minnows like these are fun to follow. They've won the Icelandic title two different times. Last year, they did pretty well internationally. They nearly got to the group stage in the Europa Conference League. 2013-14, they had their best international appearance ever. They got all the way to the third qualifying round of the Europa League. Their domestic league is called the Besta Dailed, which is ranked number 45. So it's in the bottom seven of all of UEFA. They are another summer league just over halfway through their current season. And they're in third place right now. Uh not really any one particular problem. They're still pretty good, well-balanced, just not looking like championship material, to be honest. Uh, top four offense and defense, but no better than that. Key players to look for in this match. Number one scorer in the league with 10 on the year is Stefan Ingi Sigurdsson. Number one in assists with seven is Huskulder Gunlaugsson. And then the second best, I have to chuckle ahead of this one, is the most maybe the most Icelandic name I've ever run across. The number, uh, the second best league player overall statistically according to FOTMOB is their central midfielder, uh, Giesel Eyjolfsson. Yeah, E-Y-J-O and so on and so on. He's got six goals and three assists on the year. Not much of a passer, but a good tackler and very good with his interceptions. Also worth noting is their goalkeeper, Anton Ari Einersen. He's got six clean sheets on the league year. And match number 10, we're done. Finally! Oh, she's so impatient even when she's off at camp and not really here in person. That's my sweet girl. Match number 10. Don't forget we still have those three bonus matches to go. Is our long-awaited feature match of the week, and it is number three in the Western Conference LAFC versus number one in the West St. Louis. Uh, a quick reminder for truly noob fans that Major League Soccer is divided into Eastern and Western Conferences. The top nine from each will get to go on to the playoffs. They're probably about 40% of the way or so through the season. St. Louis currently lead LAFC and... Seattle by three points each. And now to help give us some real solid information, somebody who knows a whole lot more about the St. Louis side than I ever will, we welcome once again Jonathan All of St. Louis Public Radio. So appreciative of your time. Thank you for joining us. Let's start the interview. I'm going to have to invest in smokers jackets because he is getting closer and closer to being a member of our five timers club. In fact, what would you think if I could get Paul Simon to show up in uh, Rolla to get that to you? I, I would owe you even more than I already do. <laughs> Negative. something. I, He's got a new album out, oddly enough. Really? Well, I don't know if it's that odd. It's kind of what he does. But how old is Paul Simon now? Maybe that's what makes it odd. Oh, geez. I think he's he's definitely in his 80s. Wow, he's uh, he's in the Willie Nelson uh, spectrum then, also out there getting it done. Yeah. That's incredible. I'm going to do what I can on that front. I'm not sure if this is number three or number four, but, uh, you know, Bill Hader or uh, Paul Simon, whoever whoever we find is available. Or maybe an actor I'm going to be mentioning a little bit later on in our da, da, da game show portion, but we'll get to that a little bit later on. We are here to talk about the feature match for Major League Soccer this weekend. Listeners, I promise I'm not just trying to dupe Mr. All into coming on over and over. They're really, they've had great matches in the Western Conference here in the heart of the first half of the season. Last week, they were, of course, uh, they featured as our route of the week where they played I was going to say Minnesota again because we spent so much time kind of making fun of Minnesota United for some reason. Colorado Rapids, 
I still think they should merge into one team and just be Big Sky FC, but that's why they're in charge and I'm not. Jonathan, what news do you bring? Um, I This is definitely the biggest game that City has had so far this season, um, especially because uh, L.A. is... Uh, is uh, second in the table and uh, uh, city is first. And this is going to be one of those, are you for real games, you know, for our expansion club here that has somehow been on top of the Western conference for most of the season. So um, this is definitely been, this, this is definitely coming up uh, uh, the biggest game of the season without a doubt. Wow. Now I have to admit my noobness here. I thought the LAFC were technically behind Seattle. Not that it would make the, the game any less, of a giant one. I know they're tied on points and in total wins. You might be right. And I think are. that they're leading. Right. I think the well, third, the, yeah, yeah, I think the one, third tiebreaker is goal scored, but I'm yeah. not sure on that. It, you are correct. And the, and Seattle has a seven goal differential and LAFC has a six. Um, so they are ahead by one goal. Although I will say that uh, Seattle has played one more match. Uh, than LA. Oh, yes, I am seeing that. The LAFC do have a hand on that. So let's go yeah. ahead and call them the number B team out in the West. Who's going to stop us, really? That's my question. The, 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 definitely. <laughs> probably not Subway. Nobody. Yeah, not, they're still not sponsoring not us, despite my daughter's best efforts. Nobody's going <laughs> to stop us. All right, so let's, uh, let's talk a little uh, action from last week with that uh, trap game, as you were afeared it would be, versus Colorado Rapids. Mm. Were you able to catch it live, or did other uh, did other activities end up getting in the way in your schedule? I caught it live, and the, the, the two goals that City scored were in the 4th and 11th minute. So uh, it was, uh, there was zero heartburn. Um, and uh, I mean, the two goals were actually just gorgeous too. Uh, Tim Parker scored a header off a corner, which is, it was pretty, it was just pretty to look at. Uh-huh. And, um, and then Stroud scored. And and when we did that preview, you said Stroud was, you know, the, the guy we should be watching. And yeah, I said, you talked me out of talking out of Stroud. I, I never talked about him during the recorded portion of things last week. Well, and 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 I said Adenarin was the guy. And if you watch the replay of that, Adenarin just did, I mean, one of the most beautiful assists ever. He won it with uh with dribbling, with hustle, and with a good pass. And and Stroud was able to to get it. And both of them were just beautiful goals. So by the time we were eleven minutes in, it was feet up and enjoy your snacks because uh that was uh it was smooth sailing from then on all right well that leads us into an even deeper and more important question what were the snacks (laughs) so aldi i don't know if how how prevalent aldi is among the uh the soccer noob listeners but there's a grocery store called aldi and their knockoff doritos are actually quite good what do they call them is it just aldi brand or or do they have a different marketing name for them Oh, they do Clancy's. It's Clancy's is the the the, the house brand name, um, and I don't. Re- it's like nacho cheese flavored chips or something like that. The the name is really not very good. Uh, no, it's it, certainly not as edgy as some of the Doritos campaigns have been, and I'm doubting they're doing things of that ilk that they are from a marketing standpoint. If anything, definitely. I mean, this is this is Doritos for the cost conscious. Now, 
I'm curious if this fall, if you enjoy these for the same reason that uh, I'll eat Kraft macaroni and cheese, that's just fine. But I don't like the viscosity of the cheese. I find a little bit too runny for my taste. I am much bigger fan having, you know, grown up back in Iowa, as you know, and you are now familiar. Maybe you've always been familiar having spent some time there uh, with the Hy-Vee uh, grocery brand. And I don't know where they got their orange powder, you know, mac and cheese, but that was thick. You almost couldn't dilute it. It was dark. It was orangey. And I would choose it over Kraft every single time for the taste, not just the cost. Is is St. Louis Public Radio not doing you justice financially? And that's why you're on Clancy's or is it a better chip for you? Um, a little of column A, a little of column B. Um, it definitely, I, I like the taste quite a bit. Um, I don't know that it's better, but I do have a kid in college. So, you know, we're uh, we're, we're very careful with our fold-in money around here. No, I understand that. Is he surviving on anything besides uh, Clancy's, or is that all he's allowed to eat? Is he on a? Is he or is he on an actual food plan at the he's university or college? He is on a food plan, and uh, he seems to be doing just fine. Yeah, he. I think you mentioned he's going into accounting instead of yes. broadcasting, following in mom's footsteps rather than dad's. That's got to be mixed heart. emotions. No, there's no. I'm, I'm for him. <laughs> yeah, you're on this show. Look where broadcasting has gotten you. For the love of God, in the name of all that is holy, we need to save him from this. Yeah, Make exactly. sure he's not a soccer fan, or I'll pull him on as well. Exactly. He's not. He's not. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Um, so anything that we can, did you learn anything from that game or were St. Louis really able to, you know, sit back and relax and figuratively enjoy their own snacks after the two early goals last week? Well, you know, I think that, that what the big takeaway was they were able to take care of business because that was a game that they were supposed to win and they did rather easily um, so you have to take a certain amount of pride that they took care of business because that's what winning teams have to do. And especially they when they're uh, bitten with the yeah. injury bug. Yes. And I think, um, I still think Adenarin is the real deal up front, um, especially paired with Giacchini. I think that the St. Louis, uh, I mean, you still want Klaus back. Obviously he's probably not going to be back till the end of July. Um, but I feel like Giacchini and Adenarin up front give them the scoring potential they need, um, especially, you know, with with other guys like Ostrak and Stroud um, that that are uh, that are scoring threats as well. I think they're in they're in good shape offensively when Klaus and uh, let's say Lewin uh, come back. Who do you think ends up going? Who who's on the bench? Who's uh, he might be the first guy off the bench? But do you do you find do you do you think if you the management that you see a way to play all these great guys together? Or are they going to come? Or is it going to be like hockey lines? Can you bring them on in shifts? <laughs> well, you know, okay. So there's a few thoughts. First of all, um, when Klaus comes back, it's going to take him a while to get fit. He's not going to run 90. You know, he's not going to be out there for 90 the, 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 when he can come back. So I think that it's going to be at least a few matches of, you know, maybe Klaus gets a half, uh, you know, and, and to get him up. So I think that, that at least... I'd say at least a couple of weeks. I mean, if he does come back at the end of July, I think it's going to be until, you know, second week of August until they're going to have to make a decision on whether uh, Adenarin or Giacchini sit. And I think a lot of that will depend on how they're playing at the time. Um, could they slot one of those guys into like a, a 10 type position? Very possibly they could do that. Um, I, I think Bradley Carnell is a pretty crafty 
uh, manager, although he is a little bit inexperienced. I feel, still think he has proven uh, to be willing to move stuff around and to do some things. So I wouldn't put it past him. But, you know, that is like that is at least four five weeks away. I'm, yeah. I'm, I, once you started to answer that, I thought, yay, for mediocre journalism on my part, that question probably <laughs> isn't relevant for another five weeks. But, well, you know, it, you why, take why what you can get on this show. Yeah, exactly. All right, so let's talk the LAFC match. Uh, how much confidence are you taking into this, especially given that it's on the road? Not that I want to lead you down a dark path, but how do you think this is going to go? Um, you know, I'm going to be bold. Um, one one draw. That that is my prediction for this because if you there's a whole bunch of different factors to look into here. Number one. L.A. is better at possession, not that possession means all that much. And yes, City has not been a great possession teams, but they can still score goals. But L.A.'s got more shots, more shots on goals. They get more corners. So there's a lot of those uh, stats that make you think that L.A.'s got a lot going for them. However, St. Louis is better at saves. Roman Berkey is an absolute stud. Um, they're also better at clearances. So if you look at some of the stats, there's some conflicting information there. Also... You know, we're talking about a game that's going to be on Wednesday, the 12th. Both of these teams play on Saturday, the 8th. And um, and L.A. is up against San Jose and uh, St. Louis is against Toronto. L.A. has a much tougher game to play on that on, on that Saturday before uh, this Wednesday matchup. So I think they are going to be more tired, more uh, drained. So I think that plays into this as well. Um, obviously St. Louis is the, the big injury thing with Klaus Leuven and Nilsson is still out on defense. Um, Miggy Perez, the 17, 18 year old, uh, kid, uh, who's just been a great sub and a pretty decent starter at time. He's questionable. Um, all of LA's, uh, injuries seem to be uh, of little consequence. Uh, they've got, LA's got two great strikers in Vela and Buanga who, uh, account for the vast majority of their goals. I think LA's a quality club, and I think that they're probably looking at this, especially being at home, that they are going to win. I think City's going to put up a big fight, and that's why I'm going with a 1-1 draw. You mentioned uh, Dennis Bawanga. First of all, I want to say that Dennis should always be spelled with two N's rather than one, so even though he oppresses <laughs> me on the neat? field. There's a, a there's a, a, a accent mark on the E. Oh, uh, uh, Danis? Well, I'm not sure. I don't know. He's from Gabon. Was that a French colony? Could be. I don't even remember. I know he's a left winger. I know where to find him on the pitch. I don't know where to find his family. And he is a left footer. And oh my God, I love left footers. They're just, I, uh, I, you know, this is one of the reasons why I would be a horrible director of football operations because I would fall in love with every left footed uh, player that came across (laughs) my page because I'd be like, yay. Um, But no, he's look, he and Vela, both of them can score goals and they can score a lot of them. Now, granted, you know, St. Louis is a much better goal differential. They, you know, over the course of the, the season, but I still think LA is incredibly dangerous. Um, but I think that, that I, I think City's going to step up and have a little bit and do a little better than a lot of others are going to predict. And I think we're going to get a draw. 
I, I certainly hope you're 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 right. I mean, we are we are not officially uh, on, on St. Louis's bandwagon here at Team Noob. We haven't picked any uh, MLS team yet. We've also got a correspondent in Austin, a 90 year old who's a member of their supporters group. Uh, it's a uh, I don't know if you've uh, heard this on our previous broadcast, but uh, we've got a guy, a former rodeo clown uh, named Brazos Bob, who's in his early 90s, and he is a member of uh, the Naked Bongos, a Matthew McConaughey homage. Mm-hmm. Uh, a group that does exactly what you think they do at games. And so we were kind of leaning uh, team Austin for a while, but he won't keep his clothes on ever. So we're, you know, we're vacillating. Well, keep Austin weird. They're not just, that's not just a slogan. And I think I don't think it needs to be that weird. If you're over the age of 75, not only is spandex out, but just wearing nothing but a pair of small drums should probably be way out. Oh, I'm going to warn you now, don't come to my house after I turn 70 then, because I mean, I have, I barely have any shame now. Can you imagine what I'd be like when I don't care? <laughs> hey, at least you're aging well. You don't have me on the camera right now, but I have you on the camera. I haven't seen you in person in a few years, but you're still looking good. Well, thank uh, you. To quote uh, Jeremy Piven from uh, uh, Gross Point Blake, you look good. You look Tony Robbins good. I want to be a part of it. <laughs> defensively is actually where LAFC have really been surprising. I think this year they made strides in that department last year after being very offensively minded their first few years. Uh, now you only follow two teams in your life, in, yes. in your young soccer life. You're, you are noob in some ways, just as we are. Um, obviously St. Louis and then uh, Wimbledon. Is it Wimbledon AFC? No, AFC Wimbledon. AFC Wimbledon. So Money I have the opposite soup right, but in the yeah. wrong order. Yes. Gotcha there. So uh LAFC, I want to are you familiar with Giorgio Cellini? You know, only only in reading up about the team, yes. I you know, he's the you know, I'm gonna let you talk about him, but I want to tell you something that that scares the ever-loving snot out of me about this game is that I don't think LA is weak at any position. We can highlight a few players, but they're a complete club. And, and I think that I don't think that they have a lot of weaknesses. I think it's any, any opponent who beats them, I think really has to play a complete game. I think getting them as late as you can in the season is what's probably the most important thing, because this is a team with a lot of years under, Mm -hmm. this is not, it is not a bunch of young kids. They are, I mean, Cellini, you know, Juventus, he was there for about 40 years or whatever, you know, most of his career there, he was never fast to begin with. He's quick, but definitely not fast. He still likes to try to get out. And I think that, uh, I think that he can be chipped over even as tall as he is. He's still very, very physical. So from every, and he likes to get a lot of uh, uh, headers on set pieces since he's not, since he can't get up the field quite as well. He likes to try to go offensively that way. So are you voting yes or no on this? Given all that about uh, Giorgio Cellini, would it be fair for me to encompass everything about him, summarize his play by saying he's long, he's strong, he's down to get the friction on? You know, I did not see that coming. I, I, I honestly did not, and I, I, I tip my hat to you. And and somewhere, Sir Mix a lot is smiling, and he doesn't. I, know I went, a, I went a long way for a joke that was very much a, a, maybe a six. I'll give myself that much credit. A it six? Wasn't much- wow, that's generous. That's that's. Hey, you know what? Look, if if one thing one thing that I've learned as I get older is um, commitment to the bit. 
is really admirable. So on that, on that, you get a 10. Yeah, we got my dad impersonating a naked guy who knows something about Matthew McConaughey and Austin. If we're not committed to whatever it is we do, then I don't know what we do here. There you go. Uh, but they've been committed to soccer for a long time. So you've got Vela, 34 years old, Aaron Long. He's been very stalwart in the back. Uh, second he's best injured, in clearances Long, per 90, but he's 30. Long is injured. Long will not be playing. I did not see that on the FOT Mob app. Thank you for letting me know because that is a big deal because I think that uh, given that they will have a very tough game against San Jose, I sort of saw LAFC maybe not parking the bus, but maybe being trying to be more defensively oriented you know, letting every giving everybody uh, less responsibility and space to move through and playing a more defensive game against St. Louis. Well, I'll say if I was San Jose, I would I would come out uh, with uh, guns blazing because I think that that once uh, once L.A. If, if L.A. gets the lead in that game, they are going to park the bus like you would not believe. Yeah. Um, uh, but but I think that that that's why I think that my advice to San Jose would be uh, uh risk running yourself ragged in the first 20. That's a good, and especially given that I believe their goalkeeper, their star goalkeeper is still injured. Uh, Crapo, I'm going to pronounce it. I can never, I've only, I've only ever read it. I've never heard it pronounced, but he was very good for them last year. He's pretty good for them this year, though. I think the defenders in front of him uh, get a bit more of the credit as they should, but Crapo has been very good. And I don't know as much about whoever is backing him up. Yeah, that I I don't know a lot about that either, but I still think that that LA would probably want to get one in the back of the net quickly and then park it. All right, so you're going with one one. I am unfortunately. You're welcome to to boo me as you like for this. I'm going to say LAFC get this one one nil. I think the road trip right after a game, even if it's not as tough a game versus Toronto, Toronto can be a little feisty now and again. I'm going to say LAFC. Get it done at home. MLS is not so much the last two or three years, but before that, home teams had like a a crazy 80, 85 or 90% win rate. The road is so tough to begin with. So I'm going to go the other way and say the LAFC pick up all three and the Western race just gets that much tighter. I, you know, I can't, I, I, I'm not going to boo you because that is a reasonable assessment. And I, I, I think that my, my prediction of a draw might be a little bit of a homerism. Uh, on that and you know i'm i'm not i'm I'm a fan so i'm i'm gonna back my side yeah uh, but we, I we will be we will be rooting for them here on our end so now with with that uh bit of awkwardness out of the way i'm glad we didn't come to figurative blows over that now are you ready for the game show portion in which i haven't decided on a prize yet usually on twitter people uh retweet the polls for a bonus matches she'll offer to send them a drawing of like you know uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers getting a shot in the butt was one of them that we sent out to somebody. Okay, here's here's my request. I want a drawing of the dog that was named after Roman Berkey. This is this is big on City SC uh, social media. Somebody got a dog and they named it Berkey, and they ended up having the dog meet the goalie. And it was <laughs> it, I want a I want a drawing of the dog. That's what drawing I of the dog. And now I she does prizes. a lot of anime. Can it be an anime version of the dog? I'll take whatever you can give me. All right. She'll, uh, it won't be till after camp. So it might be you know, three <laughs> or four days before she well, gets on. Well, yeah, I, I, you know, priorities. She's in Louisville. I don't have access to her right now, apparently. All right. The game show portion for which we have no name and there is no other prizes. I want to test your knowledge with these first two on 
LAFC since you claim you only follow two teams. Okay. What big uh what big Hollywood star is completely into LAFC and one of the part owners? Um I have no idea, so I'm going to guess. Um, so uh LA um soccer he's even made an appearance with the falcon not that i expect that to uh, help you out a lot at this point All if right. you had known this it was going to make my fake answer much funnier okay i'm 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 gonna go with kevin hart <laughs> very interesting he's kind of got a soccer build to him i think he would make a good attacking midfielder no yeah. the real answer is will ferrell and had you come oh. up with that i was going to say no you're wrong it's ed beagley jr Nice. Who is the big giant Hollywood star? See yeah. him as Dr. Linkletter in Young Sheldon, who is also not sponsoring us. All right. <laughs> I, I, love, I love the list of people who are not sponsoring you. That's really nice. It, it is long and distinguished. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for not pulling out the top gun line there that I was expecting. Um, <laughs> all right. Here's the second question What's the funniest thing that you could think of that LAFC could stand for? Um, all right. And I'll give I'll provide some. All right, all right, I got it. I got it. And the sailor say Brandy. No, 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 no. It's uh, okay. Lozenges, all fructoses combined. Oh, that is so close, but we had that on our list as only the fourth funniest thing you could have come up with. The correct answer for funniest thing that you, Jonathan, all of St. Louis Public Radio could have and should have come up with was libertarian axolotls for congress <laughs> well i they yeah axolotls do tend to lean right so i i, I get that person noob is very much into axolotls i think they've been featured as the endangered animal on this show for her segment twice in the history of the, the two and a half years of the show all right the third year you're over two but we're still going to give you a chance to uh, you know win what? the great okay. big prize okay i want to change my i want to i want to draw <laughs> axolotl using an addle addle using a what an addle addle the the it's a, a a polynesian uh spear throwing thing oh i think i've heard of an australian version of this is too it's it's not like a, it's not exactly like a catapult but it's like a giant combination slingshot yeah, kind of catapult but smaller and it's for throwing spears yes oh uh, okay I want an I want an atlatl throwing axolotl. Oh, that's what you want for your drawing. Yes. Oh, okay. I thought you were changing the LAFC answer and something. No, okay, no, that's no. that's fine. And we'll even credit you with a half a point just for changing it for no particular reason. <laughs> it doesn't matter because you still got to get the third question right. It's okay. a question that you've been asked, John, before Jonathan All of St. Louis Public Radio, who we thank very much again for joining us. So let's go out with your answer on this. Uh, we're completely insecure here at Team Noob, and by we I mean me. Can we be best friends? That all depends on how you answer the following question. Oh, a question with a question. Yes. What is your opinion of the franchise currently plying its trade at Milton Keynes? Well, I think the safest and truest thing I could say is that I would never dream of referring to them by the name that they prefer, you know, uh, be said at their grounds or by their supporters. And I would only ever speak of them in the way that you just did, even as awkward as it is to say. 
then the answer is yes, we can be best friends. It's too bad this isn't a, uh, well, maybe it's a good thing it's not a, a visual medium podcast because I have oh, I would say so. hands going. I am going crazy. That's exciting. Jonathan, thanks a lot for joining us today. We appreciate all your insights and most especially your time in particular here on Soccer New Rocket America. I, I live to serve. Bring forth the bonus matches. Thank you very much to everybody who votes on Twitter and the polls that I put up at the beginning of each and every week with the candidate matches for the three bonus matches. You vote. Dreamy content is manifest. It's delightful. The first one is a first versus last place match from somewhere in the world that my daughter dramatically calls the... Route, 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 route of, 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 of the week, 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 week. And we're headed to a quote-unquote lower league in our neck of the woods, this time in Canada. It's a Saturday match from a place called League One Ontario. It is part of a Tier 3 league in Canada, uh, or Tier 3. Yeah, that's the best way to put it. League One Canada is the name of the league, and it has three separate leagues within it. This one, and then League One Quebec, and League One British Columbia. This particular one, League One Ontario, is going to be broken up, I believe, into three leagues next year, and they will have promotion and relegation. This year, the top six teams will make the playoffs. The top two will get buys to the semifinals. The overall winner will get to go to the Canadian FA Cup, or as they call it, the Canadian Championship. They play a single round-robin season because it's a very big league right now. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season. Your matchup is number 21, Unionville Milliken versus number one, Scrosuppy FC. Uh, Unionville, they trail number 12, Pro Stars FC by 17. Uh, that's a key point, I believe, because the top 12 are going to get to play in the top flight next year. As you can see, Unionville will probably not be there. Meanwhile, in the search for the regular season title, Skrullsuppy, uh, they are tied with second best Blue Devils FC right now. And the lead on them, I believe, is by on total wins by one, not on goal differential. They are not the best team in the league in that regard, but they're plenty better than Unionville, let me tell you. All right, let's talk about Unionville Milliken first. And our our goal is always to look for some sort of hope, light, silver lining, if you will, looking for any reason to believe that maybe the last place team can pull the upset or at least get a result. The best thing we could probably say here is, hey, at least Unionville are playing it at home. And home is about 20 miles northeast of downtown Ontario. It's a suburb to a city called Markham. It's a touristy area in terms of having really, really well-preserved historical buildings. And while I have never seen it, honest and true. Uh, Gilmore Girls, a lot of the establishment shots or the stand-in shots, if you will, uh, uh, buildings of various things for the uh, town called Stars Hollow. Yeah, you're looking at Unionville. The club was founded in 1976, although it was mostly a youth organization then. They didn't add men's semi-professional ball until 2018. They are known as the Strikers, and last year, well, it's a good thing they didn't have relegation then either. They finished in 20th place and would have been pretty close to being there. They are the only winless club in this in league this year, and they've only managed even one draw, in fact. They've got the second-to-worst offense and defense. The defense is particularly nasty, giving up three goals on the dot per match. Second-worst goal differential out of the 21 teams. 
Team's current form, well, no surprise here. They've lost 10 straight. The draw that they earned, for those who are interested, was against number 10 Sigma, 2-2. Two to two. I'm sure the Sigma coach had a lot to say after that particular one. And now Scrossopy. They play out of Milton, which is about a half hour maybe west of downtown Ontario. It's got about 135,000 people, though, but this is a name you're going to hear a lot about because it is expected to close-ish to double in size in the next decade. This is a very popular industrial town and starting to have a lot of its own industry and business. If you're wondering about the name, whether or not FC Milton or something, Scrossopy is the name of the patron saint for footballers. I didn't even know they'd had one until I looked up this team. It is a much younger team founded in 2020. Last year, they finished in 12th place, so much better this year. And in fact, they are the only undefeated team remaining in the league. The offense is above average. They're well within the top 10, but they are tied for number one on defense. That's where their bread is buttered. They give up less than a goal per match. The goal differential is just fourth best overall. Even though they haven't yet lost, I'm not confident that this team is going to be a regular season winner, but all bets are off when it comes to playoffs, of course. Key players to look for. Tied for third best in scoring with three on the season is Tomasz Skublek. He played for the University of South Florida, so we've got a USA connection there. Also, he played for Halifax Wanderers of uh, the Canadian Premier League, which is the top all-Canadian league in the country. He was there for a year, no longer than that, though he's bounced around quite a bit. Even went and played in a capital city league in Berlin, which is in the sixth tier in Germany. So talk about playing wherever you possibly can. That guy is a real journeyman. Number one in uh, goals allowed per 90 or conceding the fewest is Andreas uh, Veikla. He's played a lot in Northern Europe, including his home of Estonia, but he also played for Toronto FC, not their senior team, but their reserve team. So fans there might remember him. And he's even made three appearances for the Estonian national team, although not in about five years, I don't think. Team's current form, they have won five straight matches and haven't conceded a goal in the last three. Could you be... The most meaningless match in the world. Yes, you could. You're so boring. (laughs) That's right. We rip off the artist formerly known as Prince and celebrate them in song. We come not to mock them. The most meaningless match in the world. Two mid-tablers from somewhere in the world. The match you have chosen is a Wednesday face-off from the Singaporean Premier League, which is the number 24-ranked league in the AFC, so maybe just the tiniest bit below average. They will still get to send their winners to the AFC Champions League. Not all leagues do by a long ways when it comes to Asia. A lot of the leagues that are any lower than this get to send their champions to the AFC Cup. Singapore will send their second and third best teams to the AFC Cup. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season, and your matchup is number five, Geylang International, versus number six, Hogang United. Now, Geylang, they currently lead Hogang by seven points in the table, an unusual gap for a most meaningless match. They trail number four, Ballastir Kalsa, by four. And the reason that I point that out is because this isn't as meaningless nearly as it could or should be for mid-tablers. Here's the reason why. As I mentioned, three teams will get to go to international competition. This is only a nine-team league. 
here's the thing. Current number one, Albirex Niigata, is actually, as you would guess, by the name of Japanese team. They're a reserve team of a team from one of the top two divisions over in Japan. Therefore, they are ineligible for international competition in Asia and their births, all those three births slide down. So Galing are only one spot off. The series between these two has been fairly even. Hogang have been a little bit better. 19-8 and 15 has been their record in recent years. Meanwhile, Galang won the first match at home this year, 2-1. When they played at Hogang's place, they won 3-2. So apparently the one thing we can say for sure with this meaninglessness is that there should be some goals at least. Galang, they are known as the Eagles and play in the city of Bidok, which is along the southeast coast of Singapore. Probably a little bit under 300,000 people there. They have won the league title twice before, but the more recent one was right at the beginning of the century, 2001. Last year, they finished in fourth place. This year, they're well-balanced and pretty average. You know, top six offense, top four defense. They are who they are. They will probably get to go to the AFC Cup. That's my guess. On the scoring leaderboard for them with seven on the year is Vincent Bezicourt from France. He plays midfielder for them. And yes, American MLS fans, he played for New York Red Bulls. That's the guy. Team's current form, 2-1-0 in their last three. And here's your most meaningless fact, and yet it's kind of interesting, at least to me anyway. Gaylang, if you're wondering about it, is a melee word for factory mill or press the club's name was changed to this when they changed their home grounds to a field that happened to have already this name so that means it probably had a factory or a mill or a press on it all right hogan united it's a city of about a quarter million people in the northeast part and they are known as the cheetahs i'm guessing that there isn't a cheetah to be found anywhere except for maybe a zoo in all of this part of the world let alone in singapore Their crest is one of the worst I've ever seen. I've mentioned it before. I've got to try to describe it again. Uh, If you've got kids, you'll recognize this reference. The crest shield sort of morphs near the top into being a cheetah-ish face, but it more looks like a PJ Mack. Uh, cartoon villain with the eyes being real, uh, you know, kind of creepy and, you know, rectangular shaped, almost kind of anime like. It's very bad. And then it's got uh, little tiny lions for eyebrows for some reason. It's just ghastly. Anyway, the club was founded in 1998 by Newcastle United fans, who I certainly hope for their sake had nothing to do with that crest because woof. They've never won a league title, but they did win the FA Cup last year. So they're going to international competition, AFC Cup, no matter what. Two of the last three years, in fact, they have played in the AFC Cup and in the group stage specifically. I don't think that, I think they'll be more likely to drop than they will decline. Their offense is woeful and their defense is even a bit below average. They give up two and a quarter goals per match. That's bad even in a high-scoring league like this one. On the offensive side, they're getting most of that output from Amy Recchi. And yes, despite the fact that the name is Amy, it might be Ami, but it is A-M-Y. Singaporean with five goals on the year, who actually last played for Gay Lang, interestingly. Team score in four, they have lost four straight, scoring just one goal over that stretch. Seems they've thrown in the towel. And here's your most Truly meaningless fact from this particular area. I couldn't find much else about this uh, town that was particularly, quote unquote, interesting. 
a, a lot of the uh, community housing that they've built in this area, they have chosen to build with semicircular balconies. They're very distinct, and it is a style that is unique in this country. You won't find it anywhere else in Singapore. And now we reach the two end of our podcast road, New Bites, match number 13 appropriately, because this is two awful last place teams from some world league. Welcome to the fresh hellscape that is the match of Disappointed! And the Herculean score is appropriate. Y'all couldn't decide which one you wanted for this one. There was actually like a five-way tie, so I simply went ahead and picked amongst those, and went with a Saturday match you somewhat wanted from the Premier League of Taiwan. Yeah, we're staying in Asia. We're going to a little bit of a lesser league. It's ranked just number 35, so nearly in the bottom quarter of the AFC. Their champion will only get to go to the AFC Cup. On the other end, the more relevant end for these sad sack bottom feeders, one of the teams will get relegated, and the second-to-last team, they will get to fight for their first division lives against the second-best team from the second division at the end of the year called a relegation playout match. Got it? Good. They're about two-thirds of the way through the season. And your matchup. Number seven, second-to-last place, Ming Chuan University versus number eight, Taipei Diva Dragons. Uh, Ming Chuan, they currently lead uh, the Dragons by... 12. Yeah, even this is a mismatch. The Dragons are so extra bad. They trailed number six, AC Taipei, by four. So that's how high they'd have to get in order to avoid even a relegation playout match, which is probably where they're going to end up. When the two teams played earlier this season, that was also at Ming Chuan University. They won two to one. Taipei Dragons will get to host once near the very end of the season. Because it's such a small league, they play a triple round robin. Now, Meng Chuan, a little bit about them. They play at the Taoyuan campus. That is a special district in the uh, sort of the north or northwest part of the country. It basically grew out of a Taipei City uh, planned satellite city that was out there and became much bigger than they planned. It's now an industrial and tech center with over two and a quarter million people. Last year, they didn't do a lot better than they are right now. Uh, they were in seventh place. The only reason that they are uh, that they weren't in last last year was because CPC Core uh, was a club that withdrew, and so they only by uh, finishing seventh had to play in an RPO match, and they survived that. Obviously, this year it's the defense that is the real bugaboo. They're giving up over two goals per match. Team's current form: oh one and two in their last three. And that one goal is apparently the one that got them a tie, presumably because their goal differential in that stretch, one against eight, putrid. And now uh, redefining putrid, we have the uh, we have the Diva Dragons from uh, the capital city, Taipei. The club is a young one, but we accept no excuses here. They were founded three years ago as Flight Skywalkers. Maybe something's lost in translation, but that just sounds dumb. Yeah, there, said it. They changed their name this year uh, because they lost their old uh, municipal sponsorship, and now Taipei City Government itself is actually the naming sponsor. Why they wanted to go with Dragons versus Flight Skywalkers? Well, I guess it's because Flight Skywalkers was dumb. Anyway, they won the second division, the championship in Chinese Taipei last year. This year, they have won nary a game. In fact, I believe they only have one little point. They have tied for the worst offense in the league, the very worst defense, giving up almost two and two-thirds goals per match, 
worst goal differential by over 50%. I think me and Noobstradamus and my daughter could probably give him a run, at least for the first 45 minutes were we to play him. Team's current form, uh, one of their, excuse me, two draws, I'm a little disappointed in myself, I forgot that they'd had two, was just two matches ago, so who knows? Maybe they can find a modicum of form once again. They certainly didn't in their last match when they lost 5-0, blowout city. And so, here at the end of the show, we will not wish them good luck or good fortune, as we would any of the other teams that we have featured on the episode, but instead, we will shoo them away in our particularly awful fashion. It was bad. It was awful. I was terrible. Get them away. Hey, boo. Boo. And that will put a bow on episode 143 of Soccer Noob Rock in America, Featuring she who is still camping person noob. Nevertheless, thank you to her as always for being a supporter of this show. I love doing it with her. Thank you very much to our super special guest, Jonathan All of St. Louis Public Radio and St. Louis City Super Fan for his time and energies and helping us with the preview, giving us some real in-depth knowledge on this show, something that we don't do a lot of. We're mini previews normally. Thank you very much as well to he who is known as the management for all of his editing and production wizardry to Dan, the Interno Inferno, whose creative efforts as always remain on fire. And thanks to you for finding the show, listening to the show. And if you would consider passing it on, please to your footy minded friends, we endeavor to create something really unique here and we hope that folks are going to enjoy it. We don't do a lot of transfer news and hot takes and other things. We are learning soccer worldwide and we are learning the world through the lens of soccer. Lots of fun, we'd like to think. So until we can do it again in a few days, have yourselves a fabulous footy week. Take care.